This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Fitz goes up and makes the game-winning catch! Larry Legend does it again! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20 at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby! How's that fail? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. Well, there is still quite the buzz. Even one week later, J.J. Watt is an Arizona Cardinal. Gentlemen, welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Reports. And B-Tran, i got to start with you. Where have you let your mind wander when thinking about Watts in a Cardinals uniform? Of course, wearing that number 99. Well, the first thing my mind goes to is i gotta get I got to get on the field and work with this guy because I, I want to see what he brings to the table and, and uh, also get Chandler Jones in and, and work with him as well because uh, these guys are going to be the cornerstones of this defense for the next couple years, and, and uh, I definitely uh, would love to, to pick their brain and, and, and try to give them a little bit of wisdom. I think I got a few things I still got in my head that uh, could possibly help them. So uh, that was the first thing I thought of, like, wow, I would love to get on the field and work with these two. But these guys are going to command all the respect and attention that they rightfully deserve. And, and I know that if you're Vance Joseph and, and the rest of this defensive coaching staff, especially Buck, Uh, you're definitely licking your chops because the possibilities are endless. Is there, uh, I get a sense, maybe, is there an itch maybe for you to to, to come back so you can play alongside a J.J. Watt? Absolutely not. I'm talking about in in a teacher's capacity, a guy that can be the veteran that can coach him up, but uh, definitely not putting the, the pads back on because I'm telling you right now, if anybody thinks about touching me, I'm calling the police. <sighs> MJ, I thought we had some breaking news here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. He did Imagine mention that. the word wisdom. Yes, I know. I was, I, was, I was trying to read between the lines and trying to get, hey, you know, all these talk about veterans signing one-year deals. Well, maybe we can get a one-day contract for Bertrand Barry to have him line up alongside a J.J. Watt. What about for Not you? even a one-hour contract. <laughs> MJ, what about for you as far as now? We're a little over a week away. We'll get into more of what Watt had to say. We'll get into what Vance Joseph had to say. We've heard from general manager Steve Kime, head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Again, there, as I mentioned, there is still quite the buzz with what this signing means right now and the potential for what it might mean come the regular season. Well, I just think it's his leadership, his preparation, his intensity, what he's going to bring to the locker room, and that's not even what he's going to do on the field. And the fact that he was double-teamed more than any other defensive lineman in football last year he didn't have a lot of guys around him and that should change and you know I definitely recommend go check out the Big Red Rage with Paul Calvisi and uh, and, and Ron Wolfley because Vance Joseph I mean he's really dialed in when it comes to J.J. Watt and just some of the things he was saying on that show uh, was really intriguing just how they're going to try to use him in different you know move him around a little bit and he, 
So I just look at it. Not only was he going to bring in the locker room, what's he going to bring on the field? And I, I still think he's got a lot left. Uh, obviously, you got to stay healthy, but I think he's hitting the reset button for the rest of his career. A great tease for what's ahead during the next hour here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Berging, if you remember, we signed off last week's show promoting a J.J. Watt press conference. He spoke for about 25 minutes, very expansive, very thought-provoking in all of his answers, except – one. How much gas do you feel like you have left in the tank? A lot. A whole lot. And that was the extent of it. A lot. A whole lot with an emphasis on a whole lot. B-Train, this sounds like a very motivated 32, soon-to-be 32-year-old joining a brand-new team. I mean, and what was he supposed to say? I, I think I only got a quarter of a tank left. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't I don't know how long I can play. I mean, I understand you got to ask the question, but you have to know that any any athlete worth their salt is going to tell you that they've got plenty, and they're not going to just give it to you until they're ready to tell you, hey, I'm done. I, I can't do any more. The game has been good, but it's time to move on. So uh, he, he is going to be motivated first and foremost because – he knows that he's got a fresh start. There's a lot of expectations here in the Valley. And this team doesn't really care what he did the last 10 years with the Houston Texans. All they care about is can you help us win right now? And so he's going to be motivated to help prove that he is still a great player. And it wasn't just because of where he played in Houston. He's a great player no matter where you slide. Yeah, his resume speaks for itself and then of course when the news was announced that he and the Texans were parting ways teams had to look at the film and say all right is this worth it and that is something defensive coordinator Vance Joseph touched on last week on the Big Red Rage I mean he is going to have a chance to you know be a real uh, disruptor with our defense after watching the tape I mean he was he was still playing well was healthy playing over a thousand snaps so it was a no-brainer so from that moment on it was a full court press on J.J. That full court press, MJ, as far as the recruitment. And remember this, J.J. Watt, this is unfamiliar territory for him. I mean, one year at Central Michigan, he walked on at Wisconsin, drafted by the Texans. So he has not been that highly sought of athlete as far as high school to college. So this was different, and I'm sure he enjoyed a lot of it. But the Cardinals, by all accounts, including from general manager Steve Kime, you employ a Frank Caliendo and a number of other different personalities and in the player aspect to say, hey, you know what, we're doing something good here in Arizona. Why don't you join us with the Cardinals? Yeah, I mean, you could just tell when the announcement came down, I mean, guys were fired up, uh, not only, you know, guys in the locker room, but guys around the league just from a standpoint of, okay, what's this going to look like with Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt? And, and, you know, really, when you mentioned, and Vance mentioned on the Big Red Rage, that he has a chip on his shoulder based on what you just said. And, you know, what he went through in, in Houston last year, I mean, I'm sure he didn't have any fun. I mean, we, we watched him and some of that rant and just how love, how much he loves football and everything else. But, you know, again, when you have intel from Hop and other players, um, and clearly he wanted to know what was going on, and his team is on the rise, and he said that, you know, winning five and eight games. So I think the recruiting process, but I, I just think that, you know, what he went through in Houston, he wanted a fresh start, and I think that at the end of the day, that's what he's going to get. Every player B-Train wants to feel wanted, correct? And the Cardinals, by all accounts, made Watt not only feel wanted, but maybe even needed here with this team. That's all you ever want, because when you start talking about respect and and, and 
people wanting you, uh, that, that comes financially. And, and you can say it in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of teams that can say, we'd love to have you. We think you'd be a great addition to the team, blah, blah, blah. But until you start talking real numbers and you start getting in the ballpark that makes you uh, makes your ears perk up and you really want to listen to what they're saying, that all that is just, it's, it's just small talk. It's just – Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of speed dating right now. But until you actually, you know, as Beyonce say, put a ring on it and put some bling on it, uh, then it really doesn't matter. And I think the Cardinals really stepped up and showed that they really wanted J.J. to be a part of their, their organization. And, and uh, when you have that, that type of attention from a specific organization, then you're going to put your all into it. And I think that's the scenario that we had with J.J. Watt. And when he puts his all into something, it's usually big things occur. Yeah, and along those lines, I mean, it, it's it, you know nothing against you know you know when you look at the locker room, Patrick Peterson kind of leads by example, Larry leads by example. You need you need some guys that have a little dog in them, and he's not going to be afraid to, to you know, look at guys and say you need to practice harder. I mean, he, he so he's going to bring a different mentality to this team, and you know again they do they have had good leadership in there, but sometimes you have to have some dogs, and I think he fits that profile and he fills a need as far as addressing the Cardinals pass rush and then that defensive line as far as the run defense is concerned as well head coach Cliff Kingsbury understands that yes you have to build from the inside out to borrow a phrase from Bertrand Berry but for the head coach it was important for the Cardinals to shore up the line of scrimmage there's no doubt you face some some tough offenses and offensive lines and schematically with, with all the outside run game that you get in, in our division and then defensive line wise um, in each and every week it, it's it's a battle and so we have to have to start up front and we understand that and, and we'll continue to try and build those those groups and uh, develop the young players that we have currently in our program. All right, now we ask the question, B-Train, what's next? If you've addressed the defensive line, now I guess you've got to think about what to do on the offensive line. We've chronicled here that the Cardinals, especially that right side of the offensive line, there could be a lot of changes. The Cardinals have a number of free agents on the offensive line, and we've heard from Sean Kugler and others that they want to get better in the interior, specifically at the center's position. Nothing against Mason Cole and Lamont Gilliard, but by the looks of it and the sound of it, Coach Kugler knows that they can get better right there at that center spot. And when you haven't when you haven't reached your your ultimate goal of winning a championship, then there's always room for improvement. And I think this team, and particularly the offensive line, has to do their due diligence in order to figure out how they can get better. Because yeah, I'm a big believer in building from the inside out. And if you have those five guys on the same page and, and very capable players that can do their job and do it very well then that is, the, that is the start. That is the foundation, and that's where everything stems from. And when you have certain holes within those five guys, you, you've got to figure out a way to fill them, and that's what this time is for. It's a time for coaches to evaluate players. It's time for players to evaluate organizations, and everybody's looking for a place to call home. And so I, I, I do believe that if you didn't hoist the Lombardi trophy, then there is work to do. And I think the Cardinals are no different than 31 other teams in the NFL, and they're trying to figure out how they can get themselves in the position where they can one day hold that Lombardi trophy up high and, and say, hey, we're world champions, we're the best in the world. So this is par for the course. This is what the league is. This is what you do. Uh, and, and I think for the Cardinals and, and the offensive line, uh, that, that's the always going to be the starting point because when those five guys are solid, 
then everything else can just fall into place. Free agency begins one week from tomorrow, March 17th. And the Cardinals, even with J.J. Watt signed, do have money to spend. Here's general manager Steve Keim. I, I don't feel like we're uh, drastically limited. I think we, we have some flexibility moving forward. Uh, and that's why we structured the contract the way we did. Uh, we have a window in time where we can do some different things and be flexible, yet at the same time, um, we have to be smart with it. And I have to look at the future moving forward in the next three years and always take a different view uh, than, than a lot of people do. A couple of things here, MJ. One, you heard Kyle mention the contract structure. It's got a low cap number for this year, less than $5 million, so that helps. And then the other aspect of this, you've got a quarterback still on his rookie deal, and this gives you that proverbial window. And if the Cardinals want to get better up front, especially along the offensive line center, you've got the big name, Corey Lindsley, and then there are some other names out there that might be maybe shorter term as opposed to a huge investment. Yeah, and I think that's a position they will address in free agency uh, nothing against drafting somebody in the NFL draft, but you already did that with Mason Cole in the third round. So you look at Lindsley, and then you throw in Alex Mack, who's a little bit older, and then Nick Martin, another guy from the Texans. He's got a ton of starts. Um, you know, he's he's a free agent. They let him go, and Cardinals have been successful going after those Texans players. So they will have options, but I think you have to get a veteran guy there to make sure you protect Kyler Murray. you got D.J. Humphreys, left tackle, Justin Pugh, left guard. That is set. The question is, do you upgrade at center? What do you do at right guard? What do you do at right tackle? Because you do have some free agents. Kelvin Beecham certainly solidified the right tackle spot last year, but he's to become an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, but you're hearing that when it comes to Josh Jones, who, uh, you know, he cut his teeth at left tackle at the University of Houston over, I think it's 40 starts, and you know we think of maybe as a swing tackle, but the Cardinals feel like he can play guard and position flexibility. We know Justin Murray is probably an underrated player. You know we'll see more about Marcus Gilbert, but you know I, I still think they should add to that that, that position. I, I mean, yes, they put up numbers over the last couple of years, but we watched them at the end of the season. They weren't the same offensive line, and they were getting beat at the point of attack. And that's you know you watch the Super Bowl, you watch the playoffs, you got to win in the trenches. So I do think you know they'll have to address it, but they are creating some depth now. It's a matter of who are the best five guys to line up in September. CB train, we've all come around. You got to be able to build from the inside out. That's my new phrase that I've adopted thanks to you. And it's all about the big fellas. The big fellas are going to always be the leaders of the team. The, the little guys, they, they're, they're fun to watch, and they, they look cute and all that. But if you really want to win, you better have some good big fellas up front getting it done. Again, the Cardinals with money to spend. How do they spend that money? And we'll have plenty of time to look at that. But what we'll look at next is here from more Vance Joseph, just how Will the Cardinals utilize their first big free agent signing in J.J. Watts? Some interesting comments from last week's Big Red Rage. That is all straight ahead. Update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The app features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. We do it every Tuesday at 11 a.m. year-round, talking all things Arizona Cardinals. Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Face the run. 
Allen drops back the throw. In trouble and gets sacked at the 34-yard line. Chandler Jones there for the Cardinals. I'll say this. It's going to be time where you're going to see J.J. and Chan together because a three technique to the you know Will Backer side, if he's a hot in the gap vertical guy in the B gap, it's going to allow Chan to have a two-way go and to come under sometimes. But most of the time, you know, having those guys split, it's going to make the offense be honest in protections. Love hearing from defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. The Cardinals with the addition of J.J. Watt. And then all of a sudden, everyone is talking about, all right, what does this mean for the Cardinals defensively and specifically? You've got J.J. Watt on one side, Chandler Jones on the other side. How do offenses react? B-Train, I'm going to turn it over to you because we heard Vance talk a lot. Um, Some of it, I think, to be honest with everyone, went right over my head. So for uh, us fans out there, if you will, put to what Vance had to say in layman's terms. So in layman's terms, what he's basically saying is he wants to have opportunities where J.J. Wide and Chandler Jones are lined up on the same side. And when they line up on the same side, that puts the offensive line in a predicament because now you're going to have to slide the offensive line's blocking protection to their side, meaning you're going to want to have at least three guys trying to block those two guys. And when you have that situation, you have to get creative in how to free one of them up through scheme, through through blitzes, through, through different stunts or whatever, because those guys, they're good enough that they can actually overcome two-on-one. And what he ultimately said was he loved the fact that they could be on both sides, one on the left side, one on the right side, where now you can't slide to protection. You can't have an overload of, of, of offensive linemen to one guy's side. Now you have to have make everybody block honest one-on-one. And so when you have that situation, it really gives the, the other, other defensive linemen opportunities to have one-on-one pass rushes because you, you can't just slide to one side and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to commit all of our energy to that side with the two best players that they have on the defensive line. And so uh, he's going to be playing mind games with this offensive line and the offensive coordinator throughout the course of this season, and, it, and it's going to be one big chess match. And I, I ultimately believe that uh, when you, you have two players like Chandler Jones and, and J.J. Watt, uh, it's going to be very, very difficult to contain both of those big pieces because they, they're going to be very disruptive uh, in their own right individually, but collectively uh, it could be devastating for offensive lines and ultimately quarterbacks. You know, we always talk about, you know, getting that quarterback off his spot and, and the pressures, hurries and knockdowns and batted balls, tackle for losses. But if you look at the Cardinals' rush defense last year, ranked 22nd overall, he's going to definitely help with the rush defense. And he won't face as many double teams because he has other players around him where he didn't have in Houston. So, you know, we can get fixated on how it's going to help the secondary if you get a pass rush. But stopping the run, getting that quarterback in second and long and third and long, that's where they can tee off when it comes to their pass rushers. Yeah, what? And it's Chandler Jones as well. A lot of the attention focused on sacks, but don't forget about what they're able to do as far as setting the edge and help with that run game as far as defending it as well. And this is something that, you know, was one of the factors on why J.J. Watt chose to come and be a part of the Arizona Cardinals was because of Vance Joseph, their history, three seasons together. In fact, Watt's first three seasons in the league, 2011 through 2013, when Vance was the defensive backs coach under then-defensive coordinator Wade Phillips. So there is some familiarity there, something Joseph touched on last week on the Big Red Rage. 
he won his first player of the year award in this defense. You know, so he knows how it works. He knows that he can get one-on-ones, you know, on guards and centers constantly in this defense. So it was a perfect fit at the end of the day. You know, Steve and his team did a great job of making the financial part work. You know, my guys on defense called him and texted him and kind of showed him pictures of of what it was going to be like, and it was a perfect fit. Not only did Watt win Defensive Player of the Year in 2012, but also in those three seasons, twice he was selected to the Pro Bowl and named a first-team All-Pro as well. So that plays a factor, B-Train, right? Because, yes, you can go where you're going to get paid a lot of money, but if they're not going to put you in the right situations, you're not going to have success, or at the end of the day you're not coming away with a win on a Sunday, then that money does you no good. This is an important aspect on why J.J. Watt is an Arizona Cardinal. Well, without question, but let me just say this. The money always makes a difference, brother. I mean, make no mistake. The money will always make a difference. We'll just say that. But when you start talking about fit, fit does matter and, and how you're going to be used and, and, and how they get the most out of, of, of your skill set will play a big role in the overall success of this team, particularly on the defensive side. And I know for Coach Joseph, he knows exactly how to get the most out of J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones as they will be that dynamic duo, the two guys that will spearhead this defense going forward. And I, and I said this last week, and I, I really believe this, man. Your leaders need to be either offensive or defensive line. I'm not saying that, that quarterbacks and, and wide receivers and running backs aren't leaders. They are. They can do that by example. But when you start talking about a presence in the locker room, a presence on the field, you need the biggest, baddest guys to be your toughest and your, your most courageous and, and the most willing to lead uh, in the front. So when those guys are the best leaders on your team, then your team has no choice but to really follow those big guys. And so I just think with, with J.J., the fact that he was able to get the scheme that he wanted and also get the bag, that, that makes for a perfect combination. And I think uh, he's going to be motivated to, to, to justify the, the, the money, but he's also going to be motivated – to justify the fact that he's still one of the better defenders in all the NFL. Yeah, we we always think it comes down to fit and asking price. But, you know, again, the relationships, I mean, can you imagine, you know, I know this for a fact, he didn't know a single coach in the Cleveland Browns organization. Not a single guy. And he his brothers both play in Pittsburgh, so he had intel there. But just just the fact that he's played for Vance and the defense was similar when Wade Phillips was there, I do think the weather was a factor. Obviously, playing with Kyler Murray, playing with Hop, um, I, I just feel like you know he had other opportunities. He could have went elsewhere. He chose the Arizona Cardinals, and and I think when you look at it, they want to bring in some a guy that has some credentials credentials on the wall, and you just watch him work. You you'll follow suit because if not, you're not going to be on the field. Relationships are important. We heard from Vance Joseph. Let's hear from J.J. Watts on his now new defensive coordinator and what the Cardinals do defensively. I had a great time with Vance early in my career. He's a great coach, very, very knowledgeable. And then obviously the scheme that he runs is a scheme I'm very familiar with, something that I'm very excited to play in again, trying to get a lot of one-on-ones, trying to get guys freed up so that you have that opportunity to go get after the passer. You know, rush and coverage work in tandem together. And so we get covering on the back end and we get a rush up front to make him get the ball out quicker. All things are going to help each other be better. Again, let's focus here for a minute on what the Cardinals defensively did or maybe did not do as far as stopping the run. MJ, as you mentioned, they were 22nd in rushing yards per game, 25th in rushing yards per play, and 
Vance Joseph, yeah, you can line up J.J. Watt on the outside and attack the quarterback or the ball carrier, but he can also have the versatility to be slid inside, and all of a sudden you've got a favorable matchup as well with J.J. Watt going up against someone in the interior of the opposing offensive line. Let's hear from the defensive coordinator again. His comments last week with Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley. Having a force inside of the 3-4 defense is critical because you can now dictate protections, and it can't simply you know, bump to Sam or, or slide to Chan. And someone's going to get a one-on-one, and most of the time it's the strong side end because the, the center has to go with the nose, the tackle goes to the Sam, and that poor strong side guard has to block J.J. one-on-one. It's all working in tandem as together. B-Train, we talk a lot about the offensive line needing to work as a group. Well, the same could be said about the defensive line or just that front seven as well, whether you're an outside defensive end or you're inside, and it certainly sounds like we will see J.J. Watts inside a lot of the times this season. Anytime you talk about all-time great defenses, they had an all-time great defensive line. You think about the, the Chicago Bears of the mid-'80s. You think about the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the early 2000s. You think about the Baltimore Ravens and their defensive front. These were all defenses that had great guys up front, and they worked in tandem with one another. You saw the Warren Saps, you know, and, and, and the Booger McFarlands and all those type of guys. They, they were able to, to create mixed matches not just because they were great one-on-one players, but because they were working together, they were communicating, they, were, uh, ha- they had their own language, if you will, within the interior of that defense. And, and when those guys are in sync and they're humming on all cylinders, then it just makes everybody else's job behind them that much easier. So you, you can't have a great defense without having a great defensive line, and I think they're building that right now uh, with the, the new addition of, of J.J. Watt to go alongside a healthy Chandler Jones, prayerfully both of these guys are able to stay healthy all season long because I think there is a lot of great plays to be made while both of them are on the field. Hey, B-Train, one of the other things that Vance mentioned on, on the Big Red Rage last week was, you know, this guy played over 1,000 snaps last year. He played 91.6% of the snaps. Um, you know, you want to make sure he's fresh, but we don't see linemen play that much. I mean, Aaron Donald was about 866 last year. So how do you how do you keep him fresh where when we get into November and December where, you know, obviously you want him on the field, but you also have to make sure that he can withstand a 17-game schedule? Yeah, you know, the thing is I'm not as, I'm not as enamored about that, that stat as most. When you say 1,000 snaps, well, that, that means that your defense was kind of bad and, and you were on the field a lot. So True. I don't – put as much stock into that stat. But the fact that he was out there, I think that they didn't have much of a choice because when you don't have quality backups, then you have to go with your best guys a larger percent of the time. So I think it's going to depend on the, the, the backups really stepping up and, and, and not letting that standard slip once they get their opportunities to play. So you, you can't afford to have Chandler and J.J. Watt play a 1,000 reps during the course of the season. That's just too much. They're on the other side of 30 and the body is not able to, to withstand that and be effective for long periods of time. So you don't want these guys playing 50, 60 reps per game. I, I think you can find that sweet spot anywhere from, from 35 to 45 reps where they can just go in and make a huge impact and have some of those backups, give them uh, spells and, and give them series off from time to time. So then you get the best of both of them. I think that's where you really find that magic. Uh, there's always going to be strength in numbers when you start talking about the defensive front. 
And then you throw in uh, Jordan Phillips, Zach Allen, Lucky Fotu, and Rashard Lawrence in their second seasons, and you get a rotation to where J.J. Watt doesn't need to be on the field every single down because B-Train, as you pointed out, and maybe they just didn't have those weapons or those teammates in Houston. Let's hope that he has those players here with the Arizona Cardinals. It's a big-picture question as far as Vance Joseph looking at the overall defense, at least up front last year, as far as what J.J. Watt now brings as far as just having him go attack the guy in front of him as far as those one-on-one matchups are concerned. When you watch our tape from last year, we had a lot of times where we had five guys rushing and they were one-on-one, you know, and we didn't win quick enough. You know, but with J.J. Mm-hmm. Watt, who can still win one-on-one, if they do that, he's going to win quickly and it's going to make our pass defense better. Because you don't have to worry about double teams. And I think that, MJ, is what we're all hoping for. And J.J. Watt is as well as... He is not double teamed, dare I say, triple team like he was in Houston. Yeah, and if you go back to stopping the run, I mean, nothing against Jordan uh, Hicks, but a lot of times he's making tackles three or four yards down the line of scrimmage. If you can occupy the the, the interior line, all of a sudden your linebackers can shoot the gaps, and that's where Isaiah Simmons and his athleticism come in, and then you can pinch the outside uh, with your pass rusher. So it all starts up front, but getting getting teams in one dimension where they got to throw it, that's going to play in the hands of the Cardinals defense. I'll go back to week 16 against the San Francisco 49ers when it was the Niners rushing attack not only getting to the second level but third level on a consistent basis. That's the game I'm sure that really sticks out when Vance Joseph looks back at the 2020 regular season. We have hit halftime here on this week's Cardinals Red Sea Report. When we come back, yeah, more of J.J. Watt but with an offensive twists that's part of this conversation as well as we continue here subscribe to arizona cardinals podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify google podcast stitcher and soundcloud listen to your favorite shows on the go like cardinals underground the big red rage and of course this show the cardinals red sea report visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information craig Rayalu, mike Drecki, and bertram berry we rejoin you next here on the arizona cardinals radio network Quick throw over the middle is caught Hopkins, 25-20. Let's go ahead and target D-Hop early. Let's get him the ball early. Throws to the left sideline on target to DeAndre Hopkins. One-on-one, there's just no way you can stop that. Throws near side, caught. Hopkins on the catch at the 20, got the first down. Throws over the middle, a strike. Hopkins a sliding catch, throwing it deep left. It's caught by Hop at the 50. Loose at the 40 at the 30-yard line, stepping out of bounds there. Kyler Murray reading the coverage, finding the open man, and it just happened to be DeAndre Hopkins. 115 catches for more than 1,400 yards and six touchdowns. The first season for DeAndre Hopkins in an Arizona Cardinals uniform, but his biggest play might have been this past offseason. As we welcome you to the second half of the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry. Yes, now reunited with J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, and Watt teammates with the Houston Texans. And it was Hopkins who was very public on his recruitment, if you will, of Watt. The Instagram post, the two of them in Cardinals uniforms with 
Hopkins saying, let's finish what we started. And now they have that option to do it. And I think, yes, recruitment does play a factor, MJ, as we've heard. And Chandler Jones was a part of this as well. Players talk and probably talk more than they ever have. It's reminiscent of what is going on in the NBA. Yeah, but I, I, you know, the fact that, you know, J.J. Watt went to management and he asked for his release and they did him a favor by allowing him to get in free agency. But, I, you know, we're seeing other guys try to force their way out. I think you got to be like the best player on your team. Uh, I don't think you're going to, you know, have dream teams now. Um, I do think Arizona could be a destination for some of these one-year contracts just because, you know, they're out, on, on the rise. They do have the quarterback for the future. At least they believe that. And then you just look at the weather. I think those are all factors. But, you know, as B-Train pointed out, I mean, he's well compensated. I like the way the contract is structured so the Cardinals can go out and make another big signing, um, hopefully, you know, on the D-line or offensive line at this point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – it's just, it's exciting from a standpoint of you never think these guys are going to get available. I mean, and he was up for a trade last year, but you're not going to, you know, trade him, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's going to be in the last year of his contract. So it worked out, and Steve said when he watched the film, and like Vance, um, they see the upside. I like what you said as far as destination because of a young quarterback. In fact, that's something J.J. Watt touched on when he addressed the media one week ago. He's been a winner at every stage of his life. That's not a coincidence. You're a winner because of the way that you work and because of the aura that you give off and because of the talent that you have. And I think that he has all of those things and he's going to continue to win and continue to have success. And that's a part of the reason that I'm here. I'm, I'm, I told him in a text, I said, I'm here because I believe in you. You have to have a quarterback in this league to have a chance and, and he's our guy and I'm looking forward to going out there and playing with him. That, to me, B-Train, is what I took away the most, the biggest takeaway out of what Watt had to say one week ago when he addressed the media, and that was the fact that Kyler Murray, yes, it's on the number of reasons on why he chose the Arizona Cardinals, but perhaps maybe at the top of that list, obviously after you talk about money, you've got to have someone that can throw the football and score points. It can't just be about the defense. You have to have a quarterback, and the Cardinals do have one. Of priorities change as you become deeper into your career. When you're your first contract, when you're trying to re-up, it really doesn't matter. I mean, you really feel like, hey, I can be that difference on any team, quarterback or no quarterback. But the thing about a, a ten-year veteran is, one, he's made a, a good sum of money, uh, so that that's going to be important always. But he also wants to be in a situation where he can win. And a guy that has had Deshaun Watson the last couple years, he didn't want to have a situation where he didn't have a player of that caliber at, at the most important position on the team. As, as painful as it is for me to say that, uh, yes, the quarterback is one of the most important positions on the team. So having a, a guy like Deshaun Watson, and we saw the interaction with him at the end of the season where he apologized for wasting a year of his career. He understands how vital it is to have that signal caller that can get the job done. It's one thing to just be a name, but it's another to have gone out there and proved it. And, and uh, Kyler Murray is, is, is on that level with a Deshaun Watson. He's not there yet, but he's definitely uh, in the conversation. And he understands when you have that piece, you always have a chance to win. And I don't think he was going to any situation where that position were, was in flux in, in any stretch of the imagination because he knows if you don't have that guy under center, it's going to be very difficult to get to the, the, the top of the mountain and ultimately win a Super Bowl. Mark it down. 11.42 a.m., March 9th, 2021. Yeah, yeah, Bertram Berry right. acknowledging that you have to have a quarterback <laughs> 
in order to win, at least play a factor in winning games on Sunday. A team captain for the first time earned his first career Pro Bowl nod. We're talking about Kyler Murray. He did that in year two. So what's ahead? That's what we want to know. What is ahead for Murray in year three? Here's the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, with Kyler, it's just continue to master your craft. I mean, there's this is a position that, that you're never going to reach perfection, but um, you're going to work towards that. And it's just the little things each and every day, consistency each and every day, and um, huge strides from year one to year two, expecting to make the, the same strides uh, this next season. Of course, what will help MJ is if the Cardinals provide some more weapons for Kyler Murray, whether that's at the running back position, but I think more specifically, we're all looking at wide receiver. You've got DeAndre Hopkins, but what do you have after him? And that is what I think we're all waiting to see. Yes, it's the defensive line, it's the offensive line, but you have to have someone to throw the football to that you're confident in. And I think based off the numbers, Murray and Hopkins, yeah, that relationship, that chemistry is fine, but there can't be such a huge drop-off between your number one target and your number two target. Yeah, and Steve Keim, uh, he, he, he talked about the uh, the wide receivers coming out in the draft. And, you know, last year everyone was excited about Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb and Henry Ruggs, and they're probably going to have great careers. But Justin Jefferson was the guy putting up the numbers. So, you know, I listen, they have enough young receivers on the roster right now and Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella, and then you throw in Keyshawn Johnson. So do they go the free agent route to go out there and try to find a number two? Now, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of names out there, but some of these guys are 26, 27 years old, and they're entering free agency for the first time, and they're going to want to get paid. So you may have to get a guy that could be a number two in competition, but they're going to have options. I just think with five draft picks, and I, I think free agency may have to bring in a veteran wide receiver. Well, two names already off the board as far as big ticket items, if you will. Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson reportedly have been tagged as far as the franchise tag is with respects to the wide receiver position. But uh, B-Tran, I know it can't all be off, uh, can't all be defense. But if you're looking at people that Kyler Murray can throw the football to, that I think you need playmakers and the Cardinals lacked that at times it wasn't consistent enough for an entire season no it wasn't consistent and, and they've got to step up and, and we understand that those guys are professionals and and they're doing everything that they can to be the best pros they can possibly be but when you start talking about this offense you know nobody ever says hey let's go medium or go home they say let's go big or go home and so I, I really feel like the, the players in this locker room understand that Kyler Murray is one of the better quarterbacks in the entire NFL, and you don't want to waste his prime and, and, and waste these, these years where he is so productive and, and not be a part of it. So uh, they understand that there is pressure for them to perform to make sure that, that he looks good and that they put him in position to look good, and, and he will in turn put them in position to look good and you got to be able to take the top off of a defense because you can't just dink and dunk your way uh to 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 uh, a Super Bowl you've got to be able to hit those big plays and and really uh stretch that defense out so then ultimately you can come underneath so yes you you have to have those players that have the ability one but then also have the trust of the quarterback two that can go out and make plays when their numbers call because if Kyler keeps throwing it out there and you keep coming up short, eventually he's just not going to look your way. He's going to continue to go to the guys that have proven 
that they can make the plays when they're given the opportunities. I'll even add the tight end position as well, whether that's, again, a big-ticket item, a Hunter Henry, a Gerald Everett, but how about you retain your own unrestricted free agent and Dan Arnold. We know the chemistry between Kyler and Arnold as far as what they've done on just a very limited basis, but the tight end position, how much more do we see that coming up in 2021? I think, you know, when you look at Dan Arnold, I mean – Clearly, he's going to be a free agent, but, you know, he's got to try to find a home, though. The grass isn't always greener. Obviously, there was trust factor starting when he arrived from New Orleans. Uh, Kyler Murray, he's he's become a weapon. He's got to be more consistent. He does catch a lot of balls in traffic, taking some big hits, but I think he's perfect in the red zone, down the seam. So I would assume that they're going to retain him unless somebody goes out there and wows him. You know, when you look at the, we look at the receivers and tight end. I mean, Gerald Everett, I like him. I know he's had some drops, but I thought he's really good. If the Cardinals want to play more twelve personnel, Max Williams is still under contract, um, so we'll see what happens there. But you know, we talked about the slot receiver, and you got a log jam there. You know, you're. Not, I mean, Kenny Galladay looks like he's in a, t- a test free agency, and there's teams out there that need a number one wide receiver. The Cardinals don't need a number one wide receiver now. I'm going to mention some names, and you know they haven't been very productive, but they they still can play. And AJ Green, he's 32 years old. Um, you know he hasn't been the same guy. You know over the last couple of years now, they've had different quarterbacks, and he's been injured. You know I look at a guy like Marvin Jones. Uh, Marvin Jones is 30 years old. I mean he's got 18 touchdowns since 2019. You know you look at a guy like Curtis Samuel. He's 24 years old. So I, I think it's going to be difficult. But if you can get a veteran guy possibly, just to be that number two receiver, because we know Christian Kirk can line up on the outside. He has this, this, the, the speed to get over uh, the top of the defense. But I think when you look at Isabella and depending on what happens with Fitz and Kirk, that's your slot guy. So now you have to bring in somebody that compete with Keith. Sean Johnson on the outside. DeAndre Hopkins was targeted 160 times. Christian Kirk was second with 79 targets. You want that gap to be shortened, I would think, because that plays into the predictability, and then all of a sudden you're keen on one guy defensively, and then you're not seeing those big explosive plays. And I do think Chase Edmonds will be involved in the passing game, but clearly, you know, he's going to have to be the bell cow on offense. Absolutely. Can't forget about him. One of those dual threats as far as running the football and catching the football out of the backfield. We continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. J.J. Watts on what he will do off the field. Yes, the intangible, if you will. We'll get into that next here. Craig Rayolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Barry. The Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. I would say J.J. Watt has, has the type of presence that you don't want to let him down. And you've heard some of those quotes come out of Tampa with, with Tom, and, and guys just don't want to let that type of player with that type of work ethic and that type of you know legend, they don't want to let him down. They don't want to be that guy that, that doesn't hold up their end of the bargain. And, and J.J. brings a similar presence with all he's accomplished and his work ethic and, and the type of person he is. They'll walk into that Cardinals locker room for the first time and immediately command respect because he's earned it based off his play on the field and what he has done off the field. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury talking about J.J. Watts. Again, not so much the production off the field, but what he can do for the Cardinals as far as 
leadership and then set an example specifically for a lot of those young players as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Want to get B-Train thoughts on this. But first, one more time, let's hear from Vance Joseph. Big Red Rage last week with Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley talking about J.J. Watts and culture with that Cardinals team. Honest to God, the culture is pushed through the players. Yep. And when your best players are your best people, when your best players are your best workers, right, that dictates your culture. You know, so having a J.J. Watt, you know, having a Larry Fitzgerald there, that dictates your culture because those guys set the tone, you know, for, for practice, for, for extra work, for study, for treatment, right? It goes through the players. B-Train, you agree? Absolutely, and that's that's the key to any successful program. It, it is about the guys that are going to be on the field. Coaches can put you in position, and they can give you all the information that you can possibly have, but if you as a player don't take it to heart and, 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 and take it and run with it and apply it to your craft, uh, it, it's going to be very difficult for your team to be successful. And so uh, the coaches are going to have other opportunities to coach and, and, and build on their resume players on the field have a finite time to make a difference in this league. And so it's imperative that they are the ones that are the catalyst for the work ethic. They're the ones that are the catalyst for how this team is going to approach each and every day of practice. And most importantly, how they're going to approach game day. So it really is the players because it's their legacy. That's going to be ultimately tied to how they perform out there on the field. And so they have the most vested in it. So it it should be all about them because they're the ones that are going to be telling their stories to their grandkids and their kids about how they uh, fared during the different uh, stages of their career on the field. Ten seasons in the league, and now it's why did J.J. Watt last ten seasons. Yeah, there were some injuries in there as well, but how do you maintain your place and stay in the league longer than just – two, three, four seasons. J.J. Watt, a perfect example and something that the Cardinal players can learn from, even some of those veterans as well. That's going to put a wrap on this edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks to those behind the scenes, Senior Broadcast Manager and Producer Jim Omohundro, Technical Director Cody Fincher, and a special shout-out to Nathan Lee assisting us to get us connected here on this Tuesday. We will rejoin you in one week's time. Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Middle of the field of the end zone. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.